0: Good morning Risen, my name is Markel. Um, Do not adjust your screens if you are at home. Um, this is not Trevor, I am a tad bit taller, a little bit slinkier, uh, and my tan is permanent. Um, it's kind of crazy because uh, Trevor, I saw him just last Sunday, and he was just making note of the fact that every single person in his family had caught COVID except him. He apparently was the chosen one from God that was not going to get the virus. Fast forward to Friday, I get a text message from Trevor. He says, man, I have the virus, and I would love for you to come fill in. So I am excited to be with you all uh, this morning to just kind of uh, talk about Jesus and really just be able to get to see this amazing church um, in action. A few things about myself. My name is Markel. Like I said, I am the student pastor over at Calvary Church just down the road in Pacific Palisades. Um, it is good to be able to see some of your faces. Some of your faces I recognize. Um, Others, uh, it'll be great to meet you after service. Um, This is my wife over here, Brittany. Brittany and I have been married uh, going on five years this year, um, which is exciting. I thought someone was gonna clap for that. I'll clap for that, amen. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, We originally hail from, uh, or we came to Los Angeles from Seattle, Washington, but we originally hail um, from Cincinnati, Ohio. So Jim, to answer your question, we don't care about uh, the Rams And we don't care about any other team. We care about the Cincinnati Bengals. We believe and I prophesy that they are going to destroy the enemies known as Kansas City um, in just a few hours. So if you're not praying for that, uh, that's fine. I have enough friends. Um, But I really am excited to be with you. There is an old adage that an old African-American bishop named Alfred Owens used to say that he was hip hop mamas, happy and uh, elephant elated to be in church. Um, and I definitely uh, feel that sentiment right now with you all. Um, today I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to just go ahead and talk about really just the idea of commitment this morning, the idea of commitment. And so, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them to the Book of Joshua, chapter number 24. The Book of Joshua, chapter number 24. I know you guys have been uh, in the Book of or in the Gospel of John talking about Jesus over the last few weeks, but um, Trevor said I have free range today, so. Uh, we're gonna talk about Joshua just a little bit. Chapter number 24. There's one more thing that you need to know about me as you are finding that scripture. Um, I recognize that I am a fast talker. Uh, it has been a, uh, <laughs> an issue my entire life, um, but this is true. Uh, the University of Oxford, they released a study not too long ago, really probably about a year ago, they said that they believe that the human brain can comprehend and interpret about 400 words, or verbalized words per minute. So what that means is this. I cannot talk any slower, but you can listen a lot more. Um, so as long as we understand that principle, we're going to be fine. Joshua, chapter number 24. If you did not get your Bible reading in this week, oh, you were in church this morning. We have quite a couple of verses to read. We're going to read 18 verses. Um, Joshua chapter number 24, this is what it says. I'm reading out of the NIV, so you might have a different translation, and that's okay. The best translation is whichever one you will actually read, um, but it all means the same thing. Then Joshua assembled all of the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all of the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir, or Sor, to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down unto Egypt. Verse number five, then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there and bought you out when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them From before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, uh, he sent Balaam, the son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you as did also the Amorites and the Pisites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities in which you did not build. And you live in them and eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable unto you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in which or in whose land you were living. But as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Just two more verses. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on the journey and among all of the nations in which we have traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all of the nations, including the Amorites, Who lived in the land we too will serve the lord because he is our god let me pray for you guys god i thank you for the amazing opportunity to just kind of just just be with this church this morning god i pray that your spirit would just speak to every single situation in this place that you would use your word just as a double-edged sword father to cut through bone and to cut through marrow to cut through grief to cut through heartache to cut through partisanship father Keep the attention on you. So much less of me and so much more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take you back to the fall of 2013 in cold Akron, Ohio. I am in my sophomore year of college, and I'm just having a great time, okay? So it's a cold day. We decide. I'm living with two of my best friends, Tyler and JT. Tyler, JT, and myself, we decide, since it's so cold outside, to do the best thing we possibly knew how to do, which was have a party. We were going to throw a party in our apartment. So the 6 o'clock hour came, we had got food, we had got some, sorry kids, we had also got some adult beverages that we were not legally allowed to consume, but, you know, the Lord saves, whatever. We got some food, we got some adult beverages, we were putting on some music, we were having a good time. All of these people come flooding into the apartment. There's nothing but laughter, there's nothing but just good times. And then suddenly, you would think that I was in a bit of a trance. See, I was sitting right there in our kitchen at the edge of the bar counter, and I was just glued, my eyes were glued to this blue Bud Light bottle, and I could not seem to get outside of my head. Now, I am not the type of person that's extremely uh, supernatural, or I have never actually heard the audible voice of God. If I did, I think it sounds like Morgan Freeman. Um, I have never heard that voice before. But a still, small voice was wrecking my brain. People all around me getting drunk. Engaging in different relationships, engaging in different sinful actions, and I am just glued to this bottle, and I'm hearing this little small voice in my head say, Markel, are you going to be committed to me or not? Are you going to be committed to me or not? See, for context, so that might not make sense to some of you, but for context, I grew up in the church. Like, I am a through-and-through church kid. I don't mean like this, like, new age growing up in the church. I was in the church every day, and I did not have an option. There was no opinion in my house. My godmother kept me at church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Terry service. You don't even know what Terry service is. Prayer service, worship night, counting the money with them. I'm a child in the trustee's office counting money. I mean, we're going to the church and cleaning up. We're feeding the poor. Every single day we are in church, the old people would say uh, like this. Uh, They were tying your feet to the foot of the cross before you ever had a chance to run, right? Right. Truly. So in high school or so elementary, I'm in church. You know, you're doing your church thing. In middle school, I'm I'm trying my best to stay engaged in church. Somewhere around in high school, I begin to get disillusioned by the things of the church. And by the time I graduate high school, I'm like, I don't want to go to church anymore. Church is full of hypocrites. Churches only consist of building the things that they think are important. I don't necessarily know if i believe in this god so i'm going to go off to college i'm going to have the time of my life i'm going to go off and i'm going to find my truth i'm going to do whatever i wanted to do here's the issue with this though every single time i went off to college or every single time in college that i went off to party or i went off to drink or i went off to smoke or engage in things i shouldn't be doing surely enough selena bradley my godmother had tied my feet so tight to the cross that every single time I ran off to do something ignorant or wrong, that little small voice would just get louder and louder and louder and louder. So one day my friend, he says, listen, man, I know that we don't do this and this is not very typical of us, but do you wanna go to church? And before I could even sit up and think about it, my mind was like, yes, you wanna go to church. Of course I wanna go to church because the reality is growing up in the church My godmother had done a really great job i had only felt like the local church was my home and so when i drifted off no matter where i was or how many people i was around i felt homeless because i knew i belonged in the church so i had gone to this church service and this church service changed my life i listened to this amazing message i decided to rededicate my life to christ and i wish i could tell you after i rededicated my life to christ i went off and i read every single book of the bible that is not true I listened to the most popular Christian podcast. That also was not true. I threw out every single secular CD I had and only listened to Hillsong. That definitely was not true. (laughs) I kept in my own ways, my old ways. But the difference now was I was really feeling the conviction of God because I had known the truth. I was just choosing to ignore the truth. And so I'm sitting there at this party and my eyes are glued to this bottle and it says, listen, are you going to live for me or are you not going to live for me? Are you going to commit Or are you not going to commit? Commitment, it sounds so old-fashioned, doesn't it? It sounds so old-fashioned. All you have to do is look at the divorce rates in the country right now. All you have to do is just look out and say, like, look, I have a plethora of options, so I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Who needs to commit when you have options? And the greatest lie in American history is that options means freedom. Commitment seems like a thing of the past. But in reality, commitment is one of the major themes of the Bible. If we go back in time just a little bit, we are looking at this. When we look at the story of the, of the biblical patriarch, Jacob, his story is all about commitment, all about commitment. Like, listen to his story. He falls in love with this amazing girl, Rachel. He loves her so much that he goes to his, her father and says, listen, in order for me or if you give me permission to marry your daughter, I will do whatever you want. I will work for you for seven straight years. Now I want you to think about that. Think of how much you love your spouse. Do you love them enough just to go work at McDonald's and scrub the floor for seven straight years without any pay? That's insane, that's crazy. It's all about commitment. If we fast forward a little bit and we look at the minor prophet Hosea, His entire story is just a tapestry of how God is committed to his church and Hosea is called upon to really live in that commitment and go marry someone who was below him or beneath him or didn't have the same thought process of him. Or what about the Israelites? After Adam and Eve had sinned, man fell into chaos and eventually began to introduce pagan and polytheistic theologies to help them cope with the failures and successes of life and instead of God destroying all of humanity because of such he decides to look down from his throne room and chooses a people group with whom he will craft the story of redemption and in this story God would choose certain men and women to stand up against the immorality of the culture that was rising up during that time and one of the men that God chooses is a man named Abram whose name is later changed to Abraham who once worshipped his own false gods, but then he came into a relationship with Yahweh, with Jehovah Jireh, with the one who provides, and God changes Abram's entire life. And as he changes Abram's entire life, he changes his very name, his very nature. He says, listen, you will be called Abraham from this point going on, and not only am I going to change your name, but I'm going to deliver to you a promise. And it is out of your loins, it is from your descendants that I will bring forth my plan of redemption to all of humanity. But it is through these descendants that we get a lot of the drama and the tensions of the Old Testament. It is through Abraham's descendants that we begin to see the story of rebellion, of people turning their hearts away from God. We begin to see the story of lust taking over. We begin to see the story of greed and malice taking over and political divide taking over. That's not a 2022 thing. That's a humanity thing for all times. Out of the very promise becomes a very big point of tension and heartache. And so the Bible says because of their of their insolence, because of their intolerance, because of their disobedience, God allows these people to be sold off into slavery for 400 years. For 400 years. And God hears the cries of his people while they're in slavery. See, this is the thing about God, right? Like sometimes he will allow for bad things to happen, but he's too good of a God just to leave us in those bad situations. So he hears the cries of his people, even though they deserve to be in slavery. And he says, look, I can't just sit around and listen to my children cry for freedom when I have the resources to be able to free them. So he sends a man named Moses, who really had a a self-identity crisis, because he was too much of a Jew to really be Egyptian, but he was too much of an Egyptian to actually be a full Jew. He sends this man with an identity crisis to lead the people, to lead the nation, the nation that comes out of Abraham's loins from the original promise, to lead that nation to a new land and to a new destiny, and this is the only thing God wants from those people. He says, listen, if you would commit to me, if you would follow my ways, I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. So Moses takes these people out. They go into the desert, and man, they face obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Right, they face men with 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 weapons on chariots and horses, and like they don't know what they're going to do, and they cry out to God. And God says, "Listen, I got you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to put so much space in between you, and I'm going to drown these guys. Not an issue at all." So God causes them to the Egyptians to drown, and then as they go further and further into the desert, they begin to face other issues, not necessarily man-made issues, but the natural elements and the animals. And they say, God, we need your help. And so what does God do? He provides water. He provides shelter in a place that has no infrastructure just so that his children can be taken care of. But this is the cycle of the Old Testament. Man falls. Man cries out to God. God saves. And the natural proclivity of the Israelites was not to throw up their hands in worship and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. No, 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 no! It was to repeat the cycle. Man falls. Man asks God for help. God helps. Man falls back into sin. So much so that God looks down at these people and says, "Listen, you guys are ungrateful. You guys are not worthy to enter into the promised land." So this is what I'm going to do for you. As I'm, every single person that is breathing right now. Every last one of you will die out before your people actually reach the promised land. Every last one of you, over four million people will die because of their ungratefulness to God before you ever reach the promised land. And it'll be your kids, the tiny ones that will actually be raised up and they will be able to enter into the promised land. And unfortunately, that promise included Moses. So he raises up. God raises up Moses and says, listen, listen you're not gonna make it into the promised land either. But I've had in my eye on a boy since before he was even in his mother's womb. His name is Joshua. And Joshua is gonna lead this new generation of people into the promised land. And I'm gonna be with Joshua in the same way that I was with you. And I'm going to flow with these new groups of people in the same way that I flowed with their parents. And This is exactly where we pick up our story today. Joshua, he's now the new leader of this new generation of people. This new generation of people they have heard the stories about how God had rescued their fathers from Egypt but they hadn't actually seen it for themselves but they have their own triumphs that they can that they can glory in God about they go into a land that's possessed with these giants or that or the inhabitants are giants in this land that has this massive security and they feel so overwhelmed by this this huge spectacle that they had never seen before now realize they have been living out in the desert this entire time this is like coming into New York City baby Like, it's a little bit overwhelming, but Joshua leads his people to take the city, and they now inherit the very promise that God had given unto their ancestors. But the issue is, once again, it may have been a new generation, but the sin problem persisted. They had taken the land, and they began to once again introduce pagan thoughts and polytheistic theologies unto their people. And so Joshua is at the end of his life, and Joshua gathers together the leaders, the officials, and the judges of Israel. As there was no way for him to speak to the entire nation, it was just too large. He gathers them together at the hillside of Shechem, which was considered the city of refuge. Joshua gathers them together at this location for a very specific reason. As Joshua is preparing to challenge all of Israel and he's about to renew the covenant between the Israelites and God, he brings them to a land of their ancestors so that they can first remember. So check this out. Before Joshua gives them a command to move forward, he brings them to a place of remembrance. He brings them to a place of, remember, Shechem is not just your typical land. No, 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 Shechem has a lot of meaning in the Bible. It has a lot of meaning to the Israelites. This was the place that God confirms the original promise that he made to Abraham. Shechem was the place that the biblical patriarch, Jacob, buried all of his idols in his entourage as he prepared to meet with the God of gods over at Bethel. This land was a living incarnation or a living Uh, image of God's faithfulness unto the people. So he brings them to a place of remembrance so he can speak to their future. And this is the beauty of the local church. We don't just come and gather out here because we want to get, you know, darker. We don't just come out here and gather because we want to enjoy the sun. No, 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 no. For many of you, this church represents a place of remembrance. It's where you met your spouse. For some of you, it's where you gave your life over to Jesus. For some of you, it's really where you begin to overcome doubts and fears and insecurities. For some of you, you found community here. This place, this church risen, Is a place of remembrance for a lot of you. So we come and we gather together on Sunday mornings, not just as a social club, but we gather together on a Sunday morning to say, God, we need to be in your presence so we can be reminded of your faithfulness and of your goodness and how you have kept me and how you have have stored me and how you have protected me so that we can go into our week. This is exactly what Joshua is doing. He brings them back to Shechem so that they can remember God's faithfulness. And I believe that God has you here exactly where you are at this specific time, in this specific place in 2022, so that he can challenge you and ask you the same thing that Joshua asked his leaders way back in the day. What in the world are you committed to? What in the world are you committed to? Literally, what in the world are you committed to? Are you committed to gaining popularity? at the cost of your morals? Are you committed to building business at the cost of your soul? Are you committed to maybe gaining more followers as opposed to being fishers of men? God challenges this, or challenges anything that you're more committed to than him. And this is exactly what Joshua is asking the people. What in the world are you committed to that is taking up your affirmation, your attention, and your affection from Yahweh, from God? Joshua has been the political, spiritual, and military leader of the people for many years. And Joshua is approaching the, his last days on earth. And before he dies, he confronts the people about their commitments to God. You have to understand that God had been good to this people, not just to, his forefathers, to their forefathers, but he had been good to them individually. He had been good to each and every last one of them. He had been faithful to the people. He gave them a land in which they did not deserve, And they ate from the ground in which they did not toil. And even in that, even in that, there were still some who were unfaithful to God. There were still some who would spit in God's face. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can honestly relate to this. So when I read this story, I'm not thinking, oh, my goodness, you guys are such idiots. Like you're literally eating from the ground that you don't even deserve. And you guys are building on infrastructure that you didn't even have anything to do with. You guys are such idiots. Just follow God. No, 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 unfortunately, I relate a lot to the Israelites in this story because even in my own life, God has provided, God has maintained, God has supplied, God has multiplied, and time after time in my rebellious ways, I spit in God's face. And that's not just my story, newsflash, that's your story. That's our collective story. But thanks be to God that his faithfulness isn't dependent upon my ability to perform perfection. Thanks be to God that he commits to me even when I degrade myself, that he commits to me even when I degrade my body, that he commits to me that when I act one way on Sunday morning and then on Monday morning it acts like I have never been in church, thanks be to God that he commits to me even when I am not committed unto him. Be thankful for God's faithfulness, that it hasn't changed. I love what Paul says, first corinthians he says that his faithfulness is not nullified by our lack of faithfulness be thankful that his mercies are brand new every single morning and that as far as the east is from the west that's how he departs our sins from us we have a reason to be thankful this sunday morning because in all reality this morning should have been our last day like our bed should have been the cooling board this morning What we actually deserve or not riches or not glory is nothing like that. We deserve hell. We deserve torment. We deserve punishment. But thanks be to God, he looks at us and says, no, 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 no. I am so committed to you that I'm going to make a way for you not to even suffer the very consequences of your own actions. To God be the glory. When you read the stories of the Israelites spitting in the face of God, that's you and I. And Joshua understands this. He looks out at his people. And in verse number 15, he says this. If you're going to serve those other gods, if you're going to serve those other, or if you're going to give those, your affirmation to other things, here we go, just go ahead and do it. If you're going to serve another god, just go serve another god. If you're going to be out of this thing, just be out of this thing. If you don't want to profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, then don't profess Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can read this verse number 15, and it's not as if Joshua wanted the people to turn from God, but God is a God of holiness. That is his chief characteristic. He's a God of holiness. He is an all consuming God. He is a jealous God. If he doesn't have 100 percent of your affirmation, then you're better off giving him nothing at all. If it is not your daily attempt to place 100% of your affirmation, your attention, your affections towards Jesus Christ, then you're just better off just not giving him anything whatsoever. And I love what Joshua says. He says, if you're going to go serve your ego, then go serve your ego. If you're going to go serve your bank account, then just go serve your bank account. If you want to go serve your body count, then go serve your body account. But if you're going to serve God, then commit to serving God. If you're going to commit to loving God, then you will commit to loving people. If you're going to commit to loving God, then you will commit to forgiving each other. If you're going to commit to loving God, then you will commit to keeping the peace, especially in 2022, where it seems as though that every single person on CNN or Fox News, NBC or whatever freaking anxiety driven news site that you like to engulf throughout the day, It's kind of hell bent on tearing us apart and making us partisan. No, 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 no. If you're going to commit to God, you have to commit to being a peacemaker, not a part of the partisan issues. If you're going to commit to God, then you have to commit to fellowship, to serving your neighbors, to honoring your parents, to honoring the very people right beside you. If you're going to commit to God, then you have no other choice but to look at your enemies and say, you know what? Instead of calling you a name that is not mentioned in the Bible, I'm going to choose to see you as the child of God. So commit to those gods or commit to Yahweh, my God. But one way or the other, you need to choose on this day which you will actually serve. One way or the other, you have to commit. And that is the message this morning. I am not fooled to believe that every single person in this church has made a sold out commitment to Christ. Some of you have been playing the fence. Some of you have been playing the field. Dabbling with Christianity on Sunday and then dabbling with everything else Monday through Saturday. And I have been sent here to tell you that if you are going to commit to God, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to actually commit unto God. You may not walk out of here and have another day to commit to God. Today is the day to commit unto the God of Israel. My God, and the upcoming year, don't just Resolve to be more studious. Don't just resolve to go on more dates, which you should, by the way. It helps keeps marriages alive, amen. Don't just resolve to be a par- better parent. And as a youth pastor, let me tell you something. Please, continue to be a better parent, because <laughs> I have to deal with those issues. <laughs> Don't just resolve to build your bank account, and there's nothing wrong with that, to building your savings, to creating a nest egg. Don't just resolve to do those things. No, 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 Resolve to get deeper and deeper in your commitment unto God. Learn how to commit. And that's all Joshua wanted out of the people. He just wanted people to honor their commitment, either to the commitment that they made of the pagan gods over there on the other side of the river, of the Euphrates River, or just honor the commitment that they said that they would honor Yahweh. And here was the crazy thing. Joshua wasn't asking the people to commit to God because of some inferiority complex. Right. Like God is not sitting up in heaven, regardless of what you think. God is not sitting up in heaven like a hormonal teenager, just hoping and begging that you ask him to prom. That's not his that's not his characteristic. Right? He doesn't have an inferiority complex. He doesn't need he's not sitting up there just waiting, being like, oh my goodness, is today gonna be the day? Oh my goodness, Ashley, I've seen her when she was born, and she hasn't given her life over to me, but maybe today's the day. Oh my goodness, Michael, can you believe it? That's not what's happening. This isn't a rom-com. God doesn't live in a rom com, he lives in reality. Joshua isn't saying this is what's happening. No, 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 no. The reason that God is asking for the commitment of the Israelites. Is the same reason he's asking for your commitment today. And that is because of this. Not because you have to commit to God, but because he first committed to you. He first committed to you. Joshua says, commit to God because. Now, here goes the crazy thing about that word because, okay? That entire word because, that is the hinge of our entire faith. Like, I need you to understand that. The word because is the entire hinge of our faith. So I don't know if you were scared into Christianity, right? I don't know if you were hell and brimstoned into Christianity, but our faith rests on the word because. Because God first loved us, we can love Him. Because God served us, we can. Serve Him because God changed our lives. I can actually live into that new creation and into that new reality because God has been so generous to me. I can be generous to other people because is the big word in faith. Joshua is saying, "Listen, God isn't asking you to serve Him because you have to. No, 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 no. He loves you way too much to make you then to make you feel like a robot. No, 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 no. God wants you to commit to Him." Because he's given you enough reasons to commit to him. He's done more than enough. Have you ever been in that situation where like a friend, a friend calls you and is like, hey, man, can I ask you for a favor? And you're just like, I don't know. I haven't talked to you in five years. You have done nothing for me. What do you want? Oh, you want 20 bucks. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. God isn't like that. He's like, no, no, no. I have given you ample opportunity and ample reason to Commit to me. I have showed you all of my cards first. I'm hiding nothing from you. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians says the Spirit searches the depths of God because he wants to give everything over to you freely. He says, I have hid nothing from you. I have given you my best. I have held nothing back from you. And that is enough of a reason for you to commit to me. And for many of you, you already understand this principle. You're like, listen, I really appreciate this kid. He looks like Will Smith. Which is a compliment i hope <laughs> he talks well he talks fast blah, blah 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 but i've already committed my life over to christ eons ago i've been saved since you know before the dinosaurs roamed the earth that's good for you hallelujah we'll see you in heaven but some of you really need to hear this that god is asking for your commitment today For some of us, we need this refresher in our lives. Maybe you already are a believer, but you need to be refreshed in the things of God, that God has kept you over this last week. No, 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 we don't have to go back to last year. We don't have to go back to 2020. Let's think about the last week, from danger seen and unseen. God has kept you from accidents that you could have been in. God has kept you from moments that could have gotten out of control. God has given you breath in your body. You woke up on a daily basis and you had food in your refrigerator. You had clothes to put on your back and you have the faculties of mind to be able to dress yourself. God has been good to you just over the last seven days. Yes, thank you, Lord. That should be our response every single morning. And some of us, we need to hear that refresher because we've been going about our own business all week long, jumping from meeting to meeting, doing this or that, working on the next curriculum, trying to get things together. No, 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 no. let's stop here. And remember, God has been good to us this week. And Lord willing, he will continue to be good to us in this upcoming week. Some of you just need to know that God is committed to us. He's committed to you. He is committed to you. He is committed to you. You need to hear that. God is committed to you. He wants to see you through. He wants what's best for you. Some of you have grown up in this church thought process that's all about this heavy burden of God. No, 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 no. Jesus says that my burden is very light. He is for you. He wants to be for you. God wants to be on your side. You need to know that today. God is not conspiring against you. He wants to be for you. He's unwavering in his commitment unto you. He does not give up on you. He does not distance himself from you. He does not hate you. God does not hate you. You are his. You are his child. And when you put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, you become a joint heir with the king of kings. God is for you and he is with you. He is just as much for you on your bad days as he is on your good days. In 2022, commit, commit to God. So what does that mean? How do we practically commit ourselves to God? If we want to commit ourselves to God, here we go, three ways. I grew up in a Baptist church, so, you know, I got three points. That was a church joke. It's fine. It's Los Angeles. I keep forgetting that You know, church jokes don't work well out here. I'm from the Midwest. Please forgive me. There's three ways I have for you that you can practically commit yourself to God. Number one, if you want to commit yourself to God, you have to commit to honoring people. We honor God by honoring people. You cannot commit yourself to God by being dishonorable to the people around you, no matter how insufferable they may be. And this is important that you remember that, especially in an election year, you have to remember that it doesn't matter their hue of their color or their tone. It doesn't matter their demographic. It doesn't matter their social background. It doesn't even matter who they're going to vote for this upcoming November. No, no, no. If you want to commit to God, God says you have to commit to honoring people. There's no way around that. Commit to honoring your enemies, commit to honoring your bosses, commit to honoring your teachers, commit to honoring your spouse. You have to commit to honoring your neighbors. There's no two ways about this. There is no other option. We commit to God by honoring people. So not only do we commit to God by honoring people, we commit to God by honoring ourselves. Treating ourselves like we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that we believe that in theory and we believe that, you know, in theory, but do we actually believe that in practice, that we are the dwelling place of the most holy God, that Jesus, like the, like the, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he is seated on our hearts. We have to commit to honoring ourselves and taking care of ourselves, not at the expense of other people, might I add. The Bible actually teaches against that. He says, listen, if you actually want to take care of yourself, you need to put other people in front of you. And I'm not talking about in an unhealthy way. Like, let's be clear about that. So if you want to commit to honoring, I mean, if you want to commit yourselves to God, you have to commit yourself to honoring people. You have to commit yourselves to honoring yourselves. And here we go. You have to commit to being involved in the local church. There is a half-baked, hear me, a half-baked thought process out there that says, I don't have to go to church in order to be a Christian. Have you guys heard this before? I don't have to go to church in order to be a Christian. It's it's, it's a half-baked thought process. The reality is this. Jesus Christ died for his church. He died for his church. He treats his church as a groom treats his bride. You cannot separate Christ And the church. No, no, no. It's one package. It's together. It's one coin. If you want to commit yourself to God, you have to commit yourself to serving the capital C church. And how do we serve the capital C church? By being invested in what the local church is actually doing. Now, I'm a guest speaker, so I can say whatever I want, and then there's no consequences for me. So I'll say it. If you're coming here two times a month, to God be the glory that you're here two times a month. But you need to do more. If you're not invested financially with what God is doing in this church, you need to become financially invested with what God is doing in this church. If you're not serving this church and you're only consuming. It is time that you become a contributor to the local church. If you want to commit yourself to God in 2022, you need to commit yourself to the local church in 2022. He cares about his church, his church is the world's plan a it is the world's plan b it is the world's plan c no one else is coming to do the job the church is god's plan for humanity period if you want to be a part of the solution but you're not plugged into the life of a church then you're actually the problem the local church is god's solution to humanity right now there is no other plan three ways ready for this repetition You want to commit yourself to God, you have to commit to honoring people, no matter how insufferable they are. I love adding that part because I know you can go out here and you're like, I love my brother, Timmy. He's a great guy. We're not talking about Timmy. We're talking about your little sister, Sasha, who gets on your nerves. That's what we're talking about. You have to commit yourself to honoring people. You have to commit to honoring yourselves in a healthy manner this year. And you have to commit to serving and loving and understanding the local church. Now, this list, this list is infinite. Trevor could come back next week and be like, listen, I got six more ways that you can commit yourself to God. And you know what? He's probably going to say it better than I can say it. But these are the three ways that I want for you to take home today. This is how you commit yourself to God. I implore you, do not leave this courtyard without making the decision to be all in for Christ. In your life, Christ wants to be Lord of all. Not the Lord of some. It's okay that you have doubts. Hello. It's okay that you have fears. It's okay that you have some some insecurities. It's okay if you don't understand every single thing about the Bible. There used to be this guy that came to our church in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in a really small church in Columbus, Ohio on the south side. Like, there would be like 50 people there on Easter Sunday. That's small, okay? But there was this guy that used to come in, and he would always be just kind of like, he looked like he was just strung out, to be honest. He would always come in, but I remember the day that he was like, listen, I'm going to take my faith a little bit more seriously. I was listening to him talk to the pastor. He's like, I'm trying to read the Bible. I've been looking at this this, this book, the book of Job, and I don't understand it at all. Like, to God be the glory. He doesn't even know it's pronounced Job. That's okay. Baby steps. God doesn't want to be the Lord of some of your life. He wants to be the Lord of all of your life. And here you go. He loves you so much that he's going to let you choose as to which one you want him to be. He loves you so much that he has given you the option to choose if you're going to commit to him or not. You cannot proclaim Christ on Sunday. You cannot call upon the name of Christ every single time you get into an incident or a tragedy, but then live your life like you don't know who he is. You cannot be hot one day and then cold the next. You cannot expect the benefits of the resurrection while chasing the destruction of the grave. You cannot expect all of the benefits of the resurrection of Christ, how he will be there for you, how he will take care of you, how you will inherit every single asset that Christ has. You cannot expect the benefits of the resurrection while also chasing the destruction of the grave. And this is specifically for the people that are my age or young, this lie that says that you have all of the time in the world to make a choice, that is not the case. I pray that you live to be 96 years old, but that's it. I pray that you have a long, fruitful life. But Dr. King once said famously, it's not about how long you have to live, it's about how you live. Commit yourselves to God this morning. Do not walk out of here on the fence about where you stand in your relationship with God. Bring your doubts, bring your shames, bring your hurts, bring your troubles. God is strong enough and secure enough that he can deal with all of those things. Those things don't scare God. They may scare your neighbor, but they don't scare God. Commit to being on God's side. Amen? I'm going to pray for you and we're going to take communion. God, you have been so good to us. There's no doubt about it. You have been faithful uh, beyond reason, beyond logic. You were faithful enough to send ultimately your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. You said in your word that without the remission of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so, God, we thank you first and foremost for the gift that is Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift that is the Holy Spirit that speaks to us, that lives within us, that tells us which way we should go, Father. We thank you for that gift. Forgive us when we take that gift for granted. God, I pray that you would take our doubts and our fears and our insecurities and that you would use them for your glory and for your honor, that you would use that tension to mend us, Father. God, I pray today for the person who's living a two-faced life. God, I pray that you would convict them, that you would yank them up, that you would wake them up to the glory and the awesome and the goodness of who you are. We're not here to scare people into a relationship with you. We're here to just tell people how great you actually are to them so, God, I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray a blessing over this church, Father, that you would use them to do great things, that they would be a blessing unto their neighbors, that when people think about Risen, they would see the personhood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the leadership of this church, that you would continue to give them bold vision, that you would continue to inspire them, that you would give them the resources to carry out the mission that you have given this place. I pray for every single member of this church, Father, that they would be dedicated into serving this local place, that they would be more interested in telling people about Jesus Christ than some stupid football game on Sunday afternoon. I pray all of this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.